This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 198 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Thinline Products and Audible.com. Poplar Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Fergus, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Just with me and Reese. No no producer this week. He's busy. We're doing the show. I think we can we've done it a couple times. I think we can manage yeah. it. We're getting better. We're getting better, <laughs> Philip. Actually, um, I'm totally relaxed, everybody. It's Philip that's doing the recording, so he may be a little tense, but yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah, I have to do the it. technical stuff. It just gives me <laughs> an extra thing to worry about. But, uh, yeah. you know, we've done quite a few shows now, Reese, you and I together. I, think we're, I know. We're managing. I'm very proud of us. Because at I'm first, I, first, I was very anxious the first time we did it on our own without Glenn. But we miss Glenn, and he will be back next week. Um, but I, I had a conference on uh, our normal recording evening, so we had to kind of change things up so uh, but i always enjoy your company philip how was your week it's been going really well actually we're kind of amping it up um you know getting ready our show season basically starts at end of april you know that's when the weather starts to come around and uh we can start to get the horses outside you know prepare from competition so now is the time to you know to kick it into the next gear um, and I've been having a, a lot of fun, you know, doing that because, you know, we, we are discussing goals with our riders and, and thinking about the horses, where do they fit in this year with their show schedule and, and what levels they should be doing. And, uh, I think that's really fun because it's just, you know, a lot of stuff to look forward to and, uh, and, you know, it's a preseason jitters a little bit. I think it's, I think it's really fun. It's my favorite time of year actually, because you got, you know, every, everybody has high expectations and, and we'll see how it goes, you know? So, um, yeah. Tip that top. sounds good. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's kind of where we are. I've, I've had a great training week, you know, we're, we're not moving or packing or unpacking at this point. The horses right, are, uh, the, hor- the Florida horses, yeah, are settled in finally. They're, they're back in sort of normal routine. We've had a lot of rain, uh, a lot of rain, like two inches of rain. Um, okay. And since I've been home, it's been yucky weather, but they're, they're all hanging in there and they're all rugged up and, and they're doing great. And um, same thing, you know, we have a lot of, it was so fun to come back from Florida and, and all my riders were really excited to see me and I came back refreshed. So um, definitely. Perfect. How's, that, how's uh, yeah. the gray one doing? The gray one is doing great. He's super yeah, Cody is his name. Cody. He's back. Yeah, he he hurt his knee and uh, on the trip to Florida, but he's doing great now. And Denali, we know, is perfect. Yeah, so he's perfect. pretty perfect. Um, and then uh, Philip, I've got to brag on you because okay. everybody, when when I was in, uh, you know, when Philip came to visit in Florida, he helped me with all the horses and. Of course, Denali was perfect, so I didn't need much help with him. <laughs> wink, wink. But, yeah. <laughs> but you helped me a lot with Winnie, my my black mare, who I'm really kind of like what you were talking about. We're really sort of moving to the next level, and I really want to push for the St. George this summer. And um, you know, one of the things that you said, uh, I've been working on. So this is why everybody friends are important, and Philip is an amazing trainer. So to have him with oh, me was thanks. was really helpful. And the thing you know we worked on with the mare the most is. You know, she really needed to stay through all the time. You know, I, I have had this mare for a while and, you know, I made everything really pleasant and nice to look at and that was great. But to push her to that next level, I needed to get that much more throughness. And yeah, I've been doing needed, it. She needed to keep her back up a little bit more. Yeah. You know, especially in the canter, she would hollow out a little bit and then Reese would back off a little bit and 
that's not my style, that's for sure. You know, at a certain yeah. point, right? You yeah, know, yeah, exactly. And, and we had talked about it and we said, you know, I've been really building your confidence and relaxation and all those things. And I said, you know, I, she was there, right? I just thought, you know, yeah. this horse is there. She's, you know, Reese has done a really good job. I said, just, you know, push her through. And, and you know, when Reese did it, it went really well. And I thought, yeah, that was great. And Reese said, wow, I mean, I, I didn't, you know... Um, think to that that the horse was ready she was a little bit backing off of her and uh yeah and uh that was that was awesome to see anyways it was awesome because we got immediate results with the horse and uh and it's nice to hear that it continues to go well yeah. and she's not getting all wound up and nervous no. hopefully and uh no she's it's, it was really helpful i've done it in the trot and in the canter and uh huge so philip thank you so much and no i can't wait you're oh, you're coming to the derby so hopefully yes well, yeah and, we're uh, hopefully gonna, gonna come steal down. his help again so. <laughs> <laughs> perfect sure. perfect so, so what that we, uh, that's, enough of, yeah, that's enough of us i mean uh, what's yeah, going on on the show today what do we got i think it's so a good we've got one. a great show we really do i you know we're really trying to work on finding all the aspects of of showing and and being part of the team and um we have a good friend of mine angel holwell she has been a professional groom for 25 years she's going to come on to talk to us about getting ready for show season some of the things you can do with your horse uh to get ready so she's amazing and and i think Everyone will enjoy hearing from her. Uh, and then we have Devin Kane on, who is a, a friend of mine. Uh, but she also, she rode in the Challenge of Americas, which is a wonderful charity event that happens in Wellington in March. And I, I am, it's one of my favorite events, and, and I missed it this year. It's Benefit Breast Cancer, Benefits Breast Cancer. Um, and she's going to tell us about the international team she was on for the Quadrille. So we have a oh, great excellent. show today. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing about that. Yeah, so... You found some tips from Carl Hester online, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I guess they, these came up uh, not too long ago, but he had uh, he had posted uh, 35 great tips about not just dressage, but a little bit about everything with riding. And I thought this would be a great topic, you know, to come on a show. We did we did the the tips for successful dressage riders. I thought that was pretty good. And and these are a little bit maybe shorter tips. I don't think they all of them require much discussion, but I think. These are great things, and uh, we, you know, I'd like to include our listeners in on uh, on some of these things, and you know, just things to think about and uh, and help everyone with their riding. Uh, I think that's a great, great thing. So, um, the first one, dressage is not just for competition; it is gymnastics for horses, and all horses can benefit from it, as they are more likely to stay sound with a long, stretchy neck, soft body, and easy movement. So, this is, a, I mean, this is a great tip for. You know, all riders, you can do a little bit of dressage. I mean, I, I, I don't just help dressage riders. I help some hunter riders, some, you know, some eventer-type riders that they just wanted, you know, a little bit of help with, with, with their dressage to, you know, to make their horses a little bit better all-round athletes. So I think it's great. I, you know, I think about dressage as kind of yoga, you know, some yoga for horses that need to stretch and, uh, and be better in the contact and be more confident and relaxed. I think it helps in all aspects. So that's a nice, uh, that's a nice tip. No, I love it. I, I yeah, exactly. I don't know. I feel exactly the same way. So number two is when a horse is tired, he'll try to stretch down. Let him do it for a while, as it's something you want to encourage. To stretch your horse, lengthen the reins, lower your hands, and massage his mouth at the bit by gently squeezing and releasing each rein. Stretch him regularly throughout your training sessions to relax him and to reduce the risk of tension. Yeah, I, I think this is a great tip. Um, this is you know, a good I one too, yeah. yeah it's, 
really good tip. We we have talked about on the show, we talked about sort of what that stretchy circle and how it is to ride. But, um, you know, I typically, my, my favorite are hotter type horses. And like we were talking about with my black mare, I, I did a lot of this in the beginning and let her stretch and bring her back up so that she learns. And I do it a lot with my young ones too. So great tip. Love it. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing to dressage if it's tense, right? It's not beautiful. It's not good for the horse it's not good for the mind or the rider so keep them relaxed you know they can't work 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 you know for an hour straight especially if you're trying to improve them give them breaks right i think this is just about having a relaxation break so number three in canter always go forward imagine there's a big jump at the end of the long side and you're going to take it on i like this you know this is all about just go 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 that's how the horse develops a big stride in the canter a big jump you know upward kind of moving you can't do it if you're always shutting the horse down and pulling on holding and and the reins just you know release the reins a little bit and go forward you know that keeps things fresh and exciting love it sometimes a little too exciting maybe yeah be brave Uh, be be brave brave. let go go and and canter yeah yep exactly dressage is about this is number four dressage is about repetition repeating exercises over and over again until it becomes part of your horse's way of going takes dedication um, but it is simply about producing a well-schooled horse, something we all like to have. Yeah, I think it is about repetition. I, 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 the only thing I would put here in my own uh, program is do you have to be careful? You don't want to repeat so much that your horse um, yeah, or yeah. frustrated or upset. Right. But they do learn. Horses do learn by repetition. Yeah. So, it, well, you know, it's, yeah. it is – there's one thing I'd like to add. I mean, this is something from uh, Cindy Ishoy, who I train with a lot. That she's, you know, uh, practice doesn't make perfect, but perfect practice makes perfect. You know what I mean? So I like you know, it. This is eyes on the ground to say that's the way to do a half pass or that's the way to have shoulder in. Practice that. You know, so uh, you know, practicing away doesn't isn't helpful if it's wrong. So you know, get as much help as you can, even if it's a friend to say you know that looks right or or whatever. But uh, you know, eyes on the ground. We've talked about that with a lot of trainers who come on and give us training tips. And uh, I think that's really important when you're talking about repetition. So I think okay. number five here is even if your thing is dressage, mix your horse's schooling up with hacking, jumping, as it will keep him relaxed and interested. Yeah. So I think that's Love pretty it. self-explanatory. Yeah. Just do different things. Keep it, keep it interesting. Don't just plug away every day and re- repeat the same thing over and over again. You know, rep- repetition is good, but... You gotta switch it up. They're horses, right? And they they love yep. to run. They love to jump. They love to do all kinds of stuff. Yeah, exactly. So number six, always compete at the level below the one you are working at home, so you're able to cope with the competition where there are many more distractions. I like this. I I, I do simple. like this. Yeah, I yeah. think we try and follow that. You know. Yeah. Um, myself, I, you know, I'm a little bit of, you know, liking to take on a challenge, you know, when I'm, you know, showing the horses I like, you know, but it is important to just take a step back, make the work easy enough at a show that it's not stressful and that you're not stressed thinking, oh, well, last day we didn't get the fours and I really want to ride the St. George, but you know, everything's not perfect yet. You know, just, just take a step back, show it fourth level or third level and, uh, let your horse build you and your horse build confidence, you know? But I would sure. also say, but and here's my thing. I'm just going to add it real quickly. And that is, if you can't do it before you send the entry in, don't send <laughs> your entry in. Yeah, I have a That's lot a of students one. that are like, oh, I want to do fourth level test one and or whatever level it is. Yeah. And I say, okay, well, let's ride the test before you send your 
money in. Yeah. And if you cannot ride it that day or, okay, maybe not that day, but the next day, don't send it in. Wait another few months. And it, yeah. Well, yeah, you know, I think that's really important. You know, you, you were like, I really want to get my bronze medal score or whatever it is. Uh, and you forget that um, that's maybe not the best idea always. <laughs> a challenge is good. I like a challenge. And I think there are times... For example, my mare is kind of working between St. George and we've talked a lot about her today, but St. George and fourth level. But I really want to try if I'm going to show to get a qualifying score. So we did this today. I rode through fourth level test three. I wanted to see the shows in another month and a half. It's the end of April. I thought, well, let's see if she can do it. And and for me, she could do the test today. So I thought, okay, I think this is a realistic goal. I'm not quite showing. Obviously, I'm not showing the level that I'm competing, but I'm – I'm comfortable with the test now, and I still have a month to work on it. So that's that's, another thing. That's pretty good. All right. Yeah, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Number seven, mirrors are a huge help in training as they enable you to see what your horse is doing. For example, how do you know whether he is straight without being able to see him? So, again, that's, you know, eyes on the ground can also be your own eyes if you've got mirrors. I think it's nice to try and set that up. And, uh, I mean, you see in Florida tons of outdoor rings with mirrors on them. You know, that's, that's really helpful. Yeah. So number, we are on number eight, <laughs> working in, working in is one of the most important aspects of dressage. You want your horse to be long, round, and stretching before you start more taxing work to get the muscles in front of and behind the saddle soft and working. Gymna- gymnasts don't hop straight onto the t- uh, top bar. Ideally, walk for 10 minutes to start with, but if your horse is fresh, it's best to trot and settle them down. So I think the working in is is his way of saying we warm need up. to warm up. Exactly. Yeah. Everybody so. needs to warm up and cool down. I think that's really important. Um, number nine, your horse must work in front of the leg. This means that he should move forward of on, on his own accord and not expect you to keep motivating. For example, if you ask for canter, he must learn to stay in canter without any leg pressure, any at all, until you tell him otherwise. Um, you know, in lessons, I'm constantly working on this. This is a tough thing because you got to work on it every day, you know, that your horse stays in front of the leg. You're not pushing every stride. You get really tired really fast, and it doesn't go well if, if you are the motivator every single step. So, you know, that's a real I great agree. basic advice. I think we all, I think we all, I mean, that's just something you're working on all the time. Sort of like yep. responsiveness to the leg, responsiveness to the half halt. I mean, these are things, even at Grand Prix level, you're, you're working on. Yep. So number 10 Number 10, if your horse is not responsive to your leg, ask for a halt with a loose rein. Give him a sharp, quick tap with your leg until he moves forward. It doesn't matter what pace he goes into, just let him move forward. So this is a great exercise, actually. Yeah, I mean, that's just the most basic, you know, if you got to implement the gas pedal, right? I mean, if you have no gas pedal... You don't have dressage, that's for sure. So it goes along with, I mean, I think at least three of these tips are about going forward, right? And I think that's something that we forget about when we're trying to control some other aspects, the sideways, the bend, this or that. If your horse isn't going forward, you got nothing. So, um, so important. Love it. Love it. Well, Philip, we are going to move on to the show. Um, I can't wait for more tips uh, next week. But we're going to move on to our um, first guest of the day, Angel Holwell, who is a professional groom for over 25 years. And she's going to talk about getting horses ready for a competition.
Well, it is my pleasure to have my friend Angel Howell on the program today. Um, Angel has been a professional groom for 25 years and has been with me at some really big competitions. And Angel, you are amazing. And that's where I wanted to have you on the show. Welcome. I appreciate you having me. Thank you for asking. Well, you are a huge part of everybody's team. And we wanted to talk about, you know, preparing to go to a horse show, preparing your horse, preparing all your equipment. How do you make that happen so smoothly? Well, I would say that it's never always smoothly, but the more that you are, in a sense, a good Girl Scout or Boy Scout, being prepared does help. And just in the sense, getting yourself organized, getting the horse ready for competition is also a grooming maintenance, little details that instead of waiting at the last minute at the horse show to tend to these, that you tend to them prior to, and making sure that everything is in its best order so that when you're at a horse show, you do know where everything's at. So everything can go as smoothly as possible because it's always subject to change in our industry, as we all well know. Angel, can you tell us a few things? We'll start from the beginning, maybe, on how do we how do we prepare the horse um, before even going to the horse show, what are some things that you like to do or some details that you like to do? Well, I would say just simple maintenance. Everybody has a different protocol on clipping and uh, whiskers, bridle paths, just simple things like that. Their manes being pulled and prepared for braiding for competition. Uh, some things, you know, instead of doing it the day before, it's important that you do it prior to. Um, just in general, making sure all their clothing, uh, caretaking, like the supplies that you need for the horse shows, uh, simple things, bathing uh, supplies, pack cleaning, anything that you need to use for the horse that it's in order and accessible and you actually know where it's at. Because unfortunately, when we pack and unpack, things get, you know, misplaced or not put back or, you know, we have to keep up on those things. And it's those little details that do help when we're there at the competition to hopefully make things run smoothly when they can go awry. <laughs> and and yeah, as you, you all know, okay, you know, going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. We and can't Angel, avoid that. <laughs> your horse it wouldn't be a horse show, right? <laughs> yeah, without some chaos. Your horse's coats are stunning. How do you get your horse's coats to look the way they do? Well, unfortunately, it takes a little bit of everything. I think it's also bathing, but I also think it's good grooming. It's good polishing. It's actually taking the time to be able to do that, which does take time. A good curry. I mean, after a good bath, it's also good polishing them off, certain polishes. Unfortunately, we put so many chemicals on our animals. You want to keep it simple, but also you have to tend to those little details by polishing them off, letting them air dry. Because in different locations, like when we have competitions down south, down in Florida, the bacteria level is a little different. So if you don't approach things a certain way, it's amazing how little details can catch up with you like the uh, fungus. And it's not that you're not doing your job, but if unfortunately you don't take care of those little details, it can happen overnight. And even over at a horse show, I mean, we can get fungus at a horse show because we're just not taking care of all the little details. Now, what are some things that you do that that you have you know learned over the years? Maybe we can get a couple of trade secrets as far as um, the details of, of the grooming that can make a difference. Well, I, I think one thing that's a good thing that people forget is that like rinsing the horse's mouth out before putting a bridle on 
if you have a good, um, I have one that's like a dental use that rinsing their mouth out with just water so it's not something always negative that's always going in their mouth. It helps keep the dick clean. And also, believe it or not, if they're really comfortable with that, even up at horse shows when we're at the show ring, believe it or not, they put a lot of sugar and a lot of products in their mouth for them to stimulate chewing and stuff. It's also good for them, just like the riders, to rinse out their mouth. You can always add another piece of sugar and stuff like that. Uh, chapstick, we, we're all putting chapstick on, same thing with the horses. They use gasoline, they use bag bomb on the side of their lips. I think those little details are very helpful. And certain things like bestetin and and stuff like that for fungus and itch. I mean, little products, little things that, simple little details that is that helps prevent major things that can occur. So those would be the, the little things that I would think of, rinsing the mouth, chapstick, and just simple first aid caretaking. I think that's that's so important. And Angel, talk just being in Florida, the fungus is terrible there. And um, well, I don't sand, have... sand scratches, which is just the environment by turning them out. You know, their coats, horses that I hate to say, chestnuts, redheads, sometimes have a little more sensitive skin. So it's not that again we're not taking care and doing our business. It's just that the environment is different. Uh, I think there's a different bacteria level in the ground and the water. And, again, when they're pounding the pavement, the sand is hot. Even though we have great arenas that are turned out, uh, the white box that's clipping the horses, using the products, just like I said, you bathe them, they can get dishpan hands so they get dry skin. So all these things, you know, can cause that we're trying to prevent something but causing something else. You know what I mean? So it's just very important that you keep on it because it's amazing how instantly overnight – Swelling, you know, it's it's amazing how things can change so quickly, and it's not that you're not doing your job. And what about maybe some so. some favorite, um, you know, some products like you know what what kind of shampoo are you using for a white horse versus you know a black you horse? You know, everybody for has their choice, and you know what? Again, I think it's also. Uh, every animal is different, okay? For uh, gray horses and the white horses, like on the everyday thing, simple things like head and shoulders work, but I like Orvis, and believe it or not, ivory soap, simple ivory just soap for like they're washing their white legs and stuff like that. Those are different things you can alternate through. And, you know, there are so many good products out there that I, I mean, you can, I, I couldn't even start. I don't know where to start so that I wouldn't eliminate somebody else. But it's what what is used. You have, it's a trial and error. You know what I mean. Some products work better on other horses. You know, depending on what kind of coat they have. If they have more of a coarse coat. If they have, you know, if they're grays, you're you constantly, you know, bathing them so the head and shoulders, or even the cleaning with, um, um, like rubbing out. Or like you know, Cowboy Magic has a great product. You know, it's you know it's. To each his own and to the situation at hand. As, you know, sometimes you can't get them down. Sometimes those products aren't available. And it's also cost because it is very cost costly that I think, like, when I mentioned the ivory soap, it's very simple. It's something you can buy. It's cheap. It's inexpensive. And it's not as hard, I think, on their coats as some other products. 
I forgot about that stuff. That's that's a good reminder. And head and shoulders, that's also right. a great reminder. You know, and people forget that also, like, and this is going off subject, just like Dawn, Dawn dishwashing soap, if you look at the commercials and stuff like that, when they were removing the oil slicks that they would use on the animal skin to remove the stuff, is actually Dawn soap. And at shelters, we use that to get the fleas and ticks off. So when the animals down here, like with the pet, you know, and stuff like that, some people just give their animals a bath in Dawn soap. And yeah, simple, simple things like that. Yeah, I like Dawn, and you can buy it at Sam's. Yeah, I mean, it's just like I said, what products to use? I mean, it's there's just the endless amount of little things, but some work for others, and you know, other products don't work on other horses, just like you and I. What you, what shampoos you use and I use may be totally different, but for different reasons. And I yeah. think it's important that everybody tries different things. Always keep an open mind of what may not work for one may work better for another. And that's unfortunately a lot of times there's too many fads that everybody forgets about going back to the basics and going back to what works. You know what I mean? I don't mind trying different things, and it's a good thing to keep an open mind. Now, I, I have another question. It's sort of along the same lines, but uh, do you notice like if you have clients that feed a certain... Um, I know a lot of people who use like flaxseed or you know certain products oh, yes, that the coats definitely. are that, that the coats are a little bit better oh, 100%, on those horses. Yes, yes, you are what you eat. What they what goes in comes out. Their coats are definitely different by the, and it is affected by their intake of their feed. There is no doubt about it. When animals are also on antibiotics or if they're being treated for something, yes, it does make a difference. Just like ourselves. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I do believe in flaxseed. I believe that that's also something that is misunderstood about the proper soaking, cooking, what it does. And you know what I mean? It's great for digestion. It's great for the coat. It has many purposes, but just like anything, if it's not used properly, it can also do damage. So we always have to remember things like that. And also some, some horses... It, they, they can't. It's not good. They can't have flexi, believe it or not. I mean, depending on what their diets are. They're, I mean, unfortunately, just like us, we're becoming like wheat-free, gluten-free. The same thing with the horses. Unfortunately, some horses can't eat what they're supposed to eat. You know what I mean? No, I think so. Yeah, no, I think I, you I, always I, have I to I believe in flexi, though. Flexi is a wonderful product, whether you do it naturally or the oil or whatever. I think it's I think it does help 100%. So, Angel, when, when we were talking about the horse show a little bit earlier, can you tell us when you get to the horse show, do you try to, how do you manage the chaos, number one, but also the horses in the different environment than home? Well, I would say one thing is trying to communicate with your group, making sure that we it's a good flow on the way it should be, where the horses should be placed, how our tack room is and our feed. You know, we just, when we get there, it's try to, we know it's like going to worship. Sometimes it's people's first time, but a lot of times it's not the first time we go to a rodeo, our first time at the rodeo. We know what to expect, and if we try and prepare ourselves by trying to keep things organized and communicating about keeping things flowing, making sure that one step follows the other because it catches up at the end of the day if it doesn't. Trying to um, make sure that the horses are first and priority as far as I'm concerned. That is our main goal. I mean, also taking care of the riders, et cetera. 
And in order to keep things going smoothly, inside communication, what is going to work? Who Who's going where? When are we? And to try and keep it at that pace and that we all pitch in and work together. Sometimes things happen, always subject to change and not trying to get flustered by that. If you're expecting it, it's really, you know what I mean? It happens. And, and people forget, this is not the end of the world. Even when we're <laughs> qualifying for the Olympics, you know, be polite to your neighbor. I, I will say that, you know what I mean? It, it's very important. I, I mean, seriously, yes. I mean, people forget that. And, and you know what I mean? And at the end of the day, I think another thing is, the day is over. What happened that day, sometimes, you know, you just have to wash that day away and start start off fresh the next one, you know, because who knows what tomorrow brings. I mean, always, you always yeah. need to be prepared. I mean, nothing shocks me anymore. I hate to say <laughs> that because I, <laughs> no, no, it's true. I mean, you think, you think you've seen it all. And I've dealt with like, you know, polo ponies. I've done with jumpers. I've dealt, I mean, majorly in the eventing dressage and polo. But, I mean, the things that you see, you, you know, you think you've seen it all, and then something happens, and you go, okay, that one's in the book. <laughs> now I've seen it all. Yeah, no. <laughs> exactly. At least you think so. <laughs> so, Angel, any tips anyway. for when you pack up from the show? I think this is a critical part that people don't think about. Well, and, you know, I'm all about containers. I'm all about organizing your trunks and those nice, uh, I hate to say, Home Depot, Stanley, you want me to push a product, the Stanley trunks. Those big black on the wheel Stanley trunks that have the great trays. You can organize everything. One can be for your supplies. The other one even for vet care, which I really do believe that is very important. And and you know, there's all the checklists on out there for people to look up online. If you think that you think you know everything, and you'll somebody will print something up and add something to that list. I mean, it's. It's just trying your best to go over that and make sure, again, just because you had it at the last show doesn't mean it's going to be in in there for the next. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big one for just kind of throwing all my stuff in the truck and going. Oh, Philip, Right, you know, and at the end of the horse show, believe me, I, I'm all for just throwing everything in the trailer. But then again, <laughs> that's my point is before you get back and you pack up the trailer and go, just because you threw it all in there doesn't mean you know it. That you got to yeah. unfortunately yeah. take the time. And go through it. You know what I mean? And that's yeah, yeah. for sure. And, and, and that's what everybody forgets. It takes time to do those things, though. And if you're rushed and you overlook it, oh well. Talk to your neighbor. That's what I mean, yeah. you know what I mean? Or, yeah. or or put it in there next time. It's it's not over. The world is not over just because you don't <laughs> have that. Yeah. One time I mean, I, another I, thing. One time I forgot to bring to my boots to my a opinion. show. Yeah. Philip, you forgot your boots? How did yeah, that I, happen? I forgot my boots. I don't know. I just am terrible. I'm really bad. And I put everything, you know, where I, I, I can see it on the way out the door, and I didn't bring the boots. And then, uh, actually, I think David Marcus lent me his for, for the day. I know. I, I, that's and pretty this, nice. And that's the whole thing is we have it when people are like, well, I can't ride. It's like, well, did you ask somebody? Maybe if not, no big deal. And it could <laughs> happen. Yeah, it, it does. Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, so unfortunately, those things could happen. And like you said, you're focusing on everything else. And you think the big things, how could you forget your boots? People forget their jackets. They forget their top hats. Oh, they yeah. got their tails instead of their short coats. I mean, it happens. <laughs> yeah. And it's not your yeah. first time. It was probably the third day. And you just forgot them at the hotel and went, or before you forgot to walk out the door. You just forgot to grab them. 
Well, I put my helmet on top of my car and drove away once. That was a good one, too. <laughs> well, I got a million one. stories like that. I, I yeah. have the worst memories. Angel, so. what are we going to do with this, Philip? Oh, my Lord. <laughs> I need to hire someone. That's it. That's all I can <laughs> yeah, do. Yeah, you need Angel. She's amazing. Yeah, exactly. Well, Angel, thank you so much for coming on. And you truly are. You're, you are amazing. And you keep everything in the horse show. I can't tell you. I have the best horse shows when Angel's with me. And... Um, and she's seen me since Young Riders. So, Angel, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, and we would love time. to have you back another time. And not a problem. Thank you. I appreciate thanks. it. Well, thanks to Angel. That gave us uh, lots of tips and lots to think about in preparing our horse and grooming our horse at shows and, and remembering to stay calm. Um, we're going to have an interview with Devin Kane about the Challenge of Americas after our, our number two, our second segment from Thin Line about leg protection. This is Coach Jen, host of the Horse Tip Daily Show here on the Horse Radio Network. Thanks for joining us for this second in a four-part series on leg protection for your horse, produced in cooperation with Thin Line Global. In this series, with the expert help of Elaine Lockhead, we will cover all aspects of leg protection. Now that part one got us up to speed on who needs leg protection and why, let's start this second segment by delving into the types of horse boots and what they do. Good afternoon, Elaine. Good afternoon to everybody. And in the first installment of this four-part series on leg protection, we talk a little bit about the why and how of leg protection, what types of horses need it and why they need it. Uh, So I guess the next logical step is to talk about the different types of boots that are made and what's available and what they do, because it can be a little overwhelming. There's a, the boot page in any given catalog is extensive. So why don't you, to um, start us down that path of what kinds of boots there are and what those boots do. Okay. Well, let's start with the, let's start with the easiest one first. Let's start with bell boots. Oh, we're starting at the bottom and working up. I like that. Exactly. So bell boots are designed to protect the coronary band, which is right above the top of the hoof. Coronary band is where you get, it's it's almost like your cuticle. It's where you get all of your growth and it's where all the blood flow is. So it's a very critical part of the horse's foot. The bell boots are primarily designed to protect the coronary band. And um, most of the bell boots on the market are made out of plastic. Because people like to buy all sorts of different colors. Um, the problem with plastic bell boots or, or rubber bell boots is that it really doesn't protect against blunt trauma. Um, and thin line is such a great shock absorber that it does protect against that. Additionally, rubber boots, again, get hot. And uh, we've talked oh. a couple of times heat retention and how heat is one of the primary causes for strains and muscle and tendon issues. So you really don't want to over any of the horse's body. So the thin line ventilates and and, um, the thin line also has antifungal agents in it because you need to keep that area very clean. If you get any kind of fungus in there, then you can be looking towards abscesses and all kinds of things that can keep you out of saddle for a while. So bell boots also, the, the, it's, their second function is to keep a horse from pulling a shoe off. So that's pretty critical when you're riding. You have a lot of horses who tend to overreach and step up into their front 
footprint, which is what we actually want them to do when we're riding. But very often they'll pull the shoe and that can hurt the horse or, you know, more more than that, you have to call the farrier and wait several days to ride again. So That sucks. I don't want to do that. Yeah, Yeah, we don't want to do that. So those, um, you know, bell boots, uh, other than that, there are a couple of different fastening closures. Um, Any kind of double Velcro closure is generally best so that the bell boot doesn't come undone while you're riding. That's pretty important just from a safety. Oh, it's always fun to go through the, the water jumps at big events and find the bell boots floating in there. Exactly. Do do thin do thin line bell boots float or sink? They float. And in fact, <gasps> awesome. One of the things when we talk about other leg protections, one of the best things about thin line is it does not absorb water. So you can work in wet arenas, you can cross creeks, you can go in and out of water, and no matter what the boot is, it won't absorb water. And what that means is, is the boot stays light. Ah. And it doesn't shift. It doesn't rub. It doesn't change the feel of the horse's way of going. Um, so those, And those are all pretty important things, at least yeah. from the horse's side. Now, am I right? Because I have a lot of very old horse books in here. I have a have a pension for collecting old horse books from uh, flea markets. A bell boot is what is was once referred to as an overreach boot? Yes. Okay. Because originally it was designed, well, just for that purpose, because what happens is the hind leg overreaches into the front leg got it and will strike the horse will strike himself on the back of the front foot or he will then you know catch an edge of a shoe and pull the shoe off got it okay so overreach boot is just an old-fashioned term for a bell boot got it that's correct yeah okay next okay so since you were talking about where things come from historically the um, most popular item to put on the leg were the leg wraps, or or people call them polo wraps. They're also called track bandages. Track bandages have a a lot more integrity to them, so they wrap a little bit firmer like an ace bandage. Leg wraps um, have kind of begun going out of fashion, but it's not really a fashion issue. They've kind of started to disappear for two reasons. One, most importantly, if you put a leg wrap or a polo wrap or a racing bandage on incorrectly, you can actually bow them very easily. So unless you are pretty well educated about how to put one on, you can bow a tendon and then what happens is people get afraid of putting it on too tight and then they're out riding and the leg wrap drop, drops down and then that's when you discover all of a sudden that your leg wrap is down around your horse's foot. And oh, my. Yeah, yeah, that looks like a disaster. <laughs> yeah, that's a disaster waiting to happen. Yeah. So, and then in addition to that, when you use leg wraps, you have to wash them pretty much daily um, because they get really dirty, and then you have to rewrap them. So, you know, people are busy today, and they really don't have 20 minutes on just putting a wrap on a horse's leg. So... The manufacturing industry has worked very hard to come up with different types of boots that are going to do the same thing a leg wrap would do, and even better, hopefully, protect. I was going to say, they probably do it better, don't they? Or they do. <laughs> they do it better than, than, a, than the old leg wraps used to do it. So manufacturing companies have done a lot of work and research on designing products that are going to do everything a leg wrap can do, do it better, and do it easier for the customer. So 
what we've what they've come up with now is prime, the primary boots that people use are a splint boot, and it's named a splint boot because its prime purpose is to just protect the splint bone. And then there are open now, front boots. Now, f- for our listeners out there who may be a little vague on which part of the horse's leg the splint boot or the splint bone lives in, that is the interior surface of the horse's cannon bone area. Right. So it's behind the cannon bone and in front of the tendon. The inside so edges. There's a little bit of, <laughs> when, you, when you feel your horse's leg, you'll feel the cannon bone in front. And just behind the cannon bone, there's a little indentation. And then you can feel the tendon in the back. In that little indentation is a splint bone. And that splint bone is pretty important to the horse's soundness. And it's also incredibly easy to break. And once it's broken, you're going to have, you know, some downtime where the horse is recovering, but the horses will recover and come back sound. But then you have a cosmetic issue because it always leaves a pretty good welt or a bump there. And then once you have that, it can be very difficult to buy leg protection that fits well and doesn't aggravate it. So we want to try not to break the splint bone on the horses. Yeah, or bruise it. Yeah. Or bruise it, yeah. So um, splint boots are made pretty much just to cover that one little area. So these are generally the least expensive boots in the market. They're almost always made out of neoprene and then some type of foam padding right at the splint bone. But that's all they do is protect the splint. And again, you don't get any protection from blunt trauma. So it might help if the horse were to sort of gingerly tag the splint bone. But if you get a horse that really hits himself, you know, a a $19 set of splint boots is not going to protect you the way, you know, a, a product made of a different material might. Then the next largest category of boots would be the open front boot. The open front boot is designed for horses that jump. The theory behind the open front boot is that you want the boot to have no protection at the front of the cannon bone. And this is so when horses are dumping and they take a rail down, they can feel when they hit the rail. We want the horses not to do that anymore. We want them to jump clear. So what the jumpers do is they use a boat that protects the inside of the leg, the back of the leg, the outside of the leg, and not the front of the leg. So generally, they have straps that are just um, elastic straps that go across the front of the leg. And then the rest of the leg is protected by a hard shell surface and then lined with some type of material. The most popular materials are neoprene, gel, and thin line. And then the last category of boots is probably the largest because it's used across multiple disciplines. These boots are called team boots, sport boots, or galloping boots. Ah, these okay. Boots Got it. Wrap, the way you define what it is is it wraps around the entire leg. So when you close the boot, 100% of the lower leg is covered. So the horse is protected on both sides, in the back and in the front. And in this dollar boot, you can choose for the hind leg, you can have 
a tall sport or brushing boot. So primarily horses that are doing a lot of lateral work, like dressage horses mm-hmm. or driving horses, will use hind boots that are very tall. The rest of the people will use an ankle boot that just protects the inside of the fetlock along with a sport boot or otherwise known as brushing or galloping boot in the front so that you have full protection in the front and then just the ankle protection in the hind. And the people who use those typically are um, event riders and endurance riders. If you're doing a lot of jumping, you can't have a high hind boot. So they just check the ankle of the back leg and the whole front leg. So, and again, once again, the materials that are used inside these boots are generally neoprene, different closed cell foams, sometimes sheepskin, and then thin line. And what is good about some of the other products, the sheepskin is a little, it's more moldable for a horse's leg. You can put a sheepskin boot on any horse and it'll kind of fit because the fur will compress in some areas and not in others. But sheepskin is not really great on a horse's leg. If you get it in water, you can only imagine what that's going to look like in very short order. So, you know, probably the, the best option, luckily we have this incredible technology where we have a amazingly impact-resistant product that is very thin, doesn't absorb water, has antifungal agents, and most importantly, breathes. So you can turn horses out in these boots, and they can be protected in the paddock. It'll kill the rain rot. It won't overheat any tendon. It will protect from almost all impact or trauma to the leg. And but what we love at Thin Line, we're really we're all horse riders, but we're all very busy, and we work. These boots are so easy to take care of. You hose them off, and you're done. You can throw oh, them in the washing nice. machine. You can throw <laughs> them in the washing machine. And the nice thing, you know, I hate to hang my boots out and have them hang, have to dry for two or three days. But since uh-huh. the pin line doesn't absorb water, I have there, you hose them off, you're done. You can go mm-hmm. around to the next source. And dry a lot faster, yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh, there's there's such a variety available. And we haven't, we haven't finished it all yet, folks. We're going to have to divide the types and functions into two separate segments because there are so many. Um, but this covered a, a very high percentage of the ones that you're going to see on most horses in English disciplines. Um, the ones we're going to cover on the next one are also carries some boots that you frequently see on Western disciplines and some boots that you see on horses that aren't even being ridden. So stay tuned for the next installment, folks. Once again, thank you very much, Elaine, for stopping by. Tell folks uh, where people can find Thin Line on the interweb. Thinlineglobal.com, our USA manufacturer. And we support our dealers. So even if you order online, that order will go to your closest tax shop. If you choose to shop online, we support the tax shops across America. And that wraps up part two of our four-part series on leg protection. Thank you once again to Elaine Lockhead for sharing your expertise. And thank you to Thinline Global for helping us put this series together. And as a thank you to our listeners, when you order online at thinlineglobal.com, enter the promo code radio at checkout for special savings. Stay tuned for part three, where we will continue talking about the different types of boots available and what their jobs are. 
have a company in the horse world? Are you looking to get the word out about your products, services, or shows? At the Horse Radio Network, we understand our advertisers need to reach the equestrian consumer in the most efficient, cost-effective way possible. Internet radio shows like this one, also called podcasts, allow the flexibility and creativity to craft unique messages that stand out from the herd and reinforce your existing marketing and social media strategies. If you want to learn more about advertising on this show or any of our shows on the Horse Radio Network, contact us at Glenn with two N's at horseradionetwork.com or you can call us at 859-951-2022. Our listeners are terrific, engaged, and avid horse people, the ones that you are looking for. Well, I am very happy to have Devin Kane on the show today. Devin, welcome. Thanks for coming on. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Well, Devin and I have worked on a couple charities together. We worked uh, a few years ago on the Vince Ramos charity. And Devin, you are such an advocate for that. Um, And this time, I have you on the show to talk about the Challenge of Americas. Can you tell us a little bit about the event and what your role was? Um, This year in the event, usually they always try to have different riders from different disciplines volunteer to do kind of a fun exhibition for everyone for the challenge. And it's all for uh, raising money for breast cancer research. And um, this year they tied in the Place for Pink Foundation also. So that was pretty fun. Um, So this year they had some rainers come in and do some raining exhibitions with music. Um, They had a couple of pas de deux, which is uh, two riders doing a dressage freestyle test together in the arena at the same time. Um, and then I was part of one of the quadrille teams. There were two quadrille teams this year. So we had six riders in the arena doing freestyles, and our freestyles were all Grand Prix freestyles. So it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of work putting everything together and, and getting all the choreography and the practices and all the timing right. But it's a wonderful event and one of my favorites because it's so much fun. It's really exciting to watch. The crowd gets really into it and is always cheering and clapping and super fun, which is a little bit more than you get at the usual dressage freestyles. Um, and then they also, it's a challenge, they also always throw in another discipline. So this year it was raining. Before they've had, you know, polo players and done arena polo. Um, they've had jumping competitions, just all different kinds of stuff. So it's, it's a great taste and always a good night and a wonderful cause, obviously. Well, that sounds really fun. Um, can you tell us a little bit about, about your team, you know, who was on it, and how did you guys find time to get six riders together to practice a freestyle? Um, I was on the international team, so we had a bunch of different riders. Pretty much we just had to say, okay, we're going to do it, you know, on these days, and everybody had to make themselves available. I know a lot of times a lot of different riders were running in right as, right as practice was starting and getting, you know, getting the horses hacked up and getting on and then splitting out of there to make it to their next, you know, the sh- back to the show or their next lesson or back to the barn to finish riding. and know, myself, you know, we did that a bunch of times. But, I mean, it's, it's such an important cause, and I think especially with breast cancer, it's touched everyone personally. You know, there's not a single person out there that doesn't have a a really close personal story of how breast cancer has actually touched them. So I think with, even with the riders, you know, you make time. This is an important, it's an important charity. It's a very important fundraiser. The money is going to one of the best causes down here. So, I mean, for I know for me, like it, it was an important, I have my own personal ties. I have some family that has definitely been 
addicted by breast cancer, so it was important just to make it happen, make the time and dedicate myself and commit to doing it. So it was great fun, though. My whole team was just really enthusiastic and into it. Um, I was on the international team, and our riders were Sherry Reber, Susanna Hamilton, Sharon Mesker, Todd Flatrich, Nancy Later, and myself. And um, it was a lot of fun. We had a great time. Everybody, I mean, practices were serious. We got our jobs done. We, you know, we talked about all the technical stuff, but everybody was always really happy and having a good time and helping each other out. And, you know, if anybody ever got lost, it was it was really easy to, to practice with those people. There was, you know, an, an amount of seriousness that we all understood that we were taking this serious, but at the same time, we were having fun with it while we were there. So it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. I wouldn't have minded to have been a fly on the wall there. That must have been pretty fun to watch you guys. But tell us a little bit about your program. What was your music like? What was your choreography like? Uh, Ruth Hogan Bolson did our choreography, and it was amazing. I um, I actually kind of got thrown into it at the end. Team International had a writer drop out with about two and a half weeks before the performance. So I got a phone call from Crystal Ann Schingler, and she was asking, she was like, do you know anybody that can ride? You know, we're scrambling to find somebody to fill the spot. I'm like, okay, I think I can do it. And she was like, are you sure do you, you know, at first I wasn't sure I had a horse. And then I'm like, you know what? I do have a horse I can use for this. You can make that happen. So I kind of jumped in at the last few minutes. <laughs> so I was lucky enough that, you know, they had already done the music editing, found the music, gotten a lot of the choreography done. I was, my job was pretty easy. I had to show up, learn it, and then be there for the performance. So it was a good, a good experience for sure. Well, tell us a little bit about the horse that you you did end up riding in the in the quadrille. Uh, he is I, actually my Brentina Cup horse that I rode a few years ago for a while and showed and campaigned him. Uh, we did I did my first Grand Prix with him. You know, my first the whole Grand Prix thing, the whole tour and everything with him. It was pretty special to me. He really I retired him from showing a couple of years ago. He's a he's not so much a loner. He really likes to be with the other horses. So. He always was a star in the warm-up, and then when I got him to the test, he was so nervous by himself. So when I was thinking about it, I'm like, this is the perfect situation for this horse, and he absolutely loved it. He was a star. He really couldn't have done a much better job than what he did. He um, he loved having the other horses around him. At parts where some of the horses got nervous because we had to get really close to each other, he was all about that. He thought we could get as close as we wanted, and he would be even more happy. So he was really cool, and he did a great job. I mean, he pulled off. I don't usually ride the horse. I've actually, like I said, I've retired him from showing, so I teach on him a lot, and I have some students that ride him, and I I don't ride him on a consistent basis. So I was like, okay, I guess I get to ride you for a few weeks getting ready for this. And he was such a trooper. He was really happy and excited, and he kept a really positive attitude about it, and I think he really had fun. Um, at the, as we were going around the outside of the beginning, he got a little bit nervous and started to run. But then as soon as we, as soon as the music clicked on, he totally settled down and kind of knew his job and went right to work. So he really liked it. I think he liked the showing off and putting on a little bit of a show. He was quite a star. Everybody really was. I mean, all of the horses, I can't say that any of them didn't enjoy it. They, I think they all really had a good time. It, none of them were naughty or being obnoxious or anything they were all doing their job and kind of just playing around together we had a good time that's so what was your music what did you guys oh, decide to do? our music 
um, let's see, we use uh, the Titanium song. Um, there was a couple Bruno Mars in it, and um, what was the other one? It was a mix of basically like a couple of different pop hits and stuff like that, this radio stuff that's on now, which made it really super fun because everybody was getting into it and clapping and, and cheering. Um, Ruth did an amazing job with our choreography. I had so many people come up and, and compliment us on our choreography afterwards, and it really it was easy to memorize. The pattern really flowed well, but it had a nice level of difficulty where you weren't just, you know, riding around. You're actually kind of thinking about not having to actually ride the horse and ride the movements as well. So it was a lot of fun. Oh, so tell us a little bit about the other team and what they did. Did you get it? Did you get a chance to see them at all? I didn't really get a chance to see them because they were after <laughs> us. Um, but I know that they did like a 50s kind of rock. I know the, the boys were all wearing leather jackets, which I heard a couple <laughs> of them saying it probably wasn't a good idea on a Saturday night in Florida. <laughs> a little warm for that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're a little yeah. bit sweaty afterwards, I think. But um, the boys <laughs> yeah. had on leather jackets. The girls had on these poodle skirts and oh and neckties and everything, and they were all done up. So it looked totally cute. I bet I didn't get to see it because we got to we had to ride first, and then we were back in the warm up rain walking around with our horses afterwards. But the music was really cute, and I heard everybody cheering. They said they did a great job. And what was oh, the most difficult part about being, you know, being in the quadrille and, and practicing it? What what made it difficult for you? Um, I would say it's a little bit tricky because it's nothing like riding like we usually ride. There's, It's really not about the training and the correctness of the movements and your tempos and, you know, everything that we think about when we're riding as trainers and even just riding the test or schooling the horses, that doesn't really come into place. So you kind of got to throw that out the window and then be okay with that. <laughs> so it's a little bit different thinking like, okay, you know, this is not at all the tempo or how my horse should dissage, but the dissage matches the others and we're all staying in line. So that's what's most important. So it's a little bit tricky trying to figure and just being okay in your head with that the difference of, you know, this isn't how I usually ride them, but this is how I'm going to ride them for this because the most important thing is to stay with your team and be cohesive as a team and really have everything together and making sure that your, you know, your lines are correct and you're moving on the right tempos together. So that's, I would have to say, was the most difficult thing for me. But once I kind of got over the, okay, well, it doesn't have to be 100% correct. You know, I'm not riding the pirouette for a 9 or a 10. I'm, I'm riding it to make sure that I'm equal with all of the rest of my teammates. You know, once you get over that and then move on, then it's pretty fun and easy. Well, that's great. It sounded like a fabulous night. Um, Devin, if we want to find some more information, um, first I'd love to hear, how do you find out more information about the Challenge of Americas? I know the Challenge of Americas, they have a Facebook page. Um, so you can look them up on Facebook, and I think all of their information for their other websites and links. And um, Mary Ross is our organizer. She puts the challenge together every year. Her information's on there, too. So, And also, um, there's video from the winning card drill from our team, and um, there's some, split, some clips from all the other stuff on there, too. So if you go onto their Challenge of America's page on Facebook, they have all of that for you to watch and find and, and go through. It's pretty fun. Oh, how fun. And Devin, how do we find you online? Um, my website is diamantefarm.com. And also you can email me anytime at devkane, D-E-V-K-A-N-E at mac.com. 
So, yeah, check out the website. We have pictures of riding. We also have a Facebook page, Diamante Farms, on Facebook. I try to upload pictures of the ponies and stuff that's going on, little clips of riding and stuff all the time. So there's always usually something new going on up there also for everybody to, to check out and enjoy. Great. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Hi all, Glenn the Geek here, and we are excited to bring you a special offer for Horse Radio Network listeners from one of my favorite companies, and that is Audible.com. Audible.com is the premier provider of digital audiobooks. Audible has over 85,000 titles to choose from in every genre. Thrillers, business, romance, comedy, sci-fi, sports, and so much more. Audible titles play on your iPhone, your Kindle, your Android, or more than 500 different devices that you can listen anytime, anywhere. My wife and I love Audible books. We've been a member of Audible since 2004 and have listened to over 100 books uh, with Audible. What horse person, you know, who has time as a horse person to sit down and to read a book anymore? Yet, I found the time to listen to books on Audible. When I'm not listening to podcasts while I'm riding, cleaning stalls, or at the gym, or driving, I'm listening to Audible books. And for the listeners of the Horse Radio Network, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 14-day trial to give you a chance to check out their service. All you have to do is go to audibletrial.com slash hrn. That's audibletrial.com slash HRN for Horse Radio Network. And you can download your free audiobook and get your 14-day free trial today. If you can't remember that, just check out our website and you'll find a link to it right there. Enjoy your book. We know you will. Well, Philip, I'm telling you that Challenge of Americas um, is, is one of the best events to go to in Florida. It's the best charity. It's for a wonderful cause, but it is a lot of fun and you get to see some great riding. So that was fun to hear Devin's experience for the first time riding in the Challenge of Americas. Yeah, that sounds great. I mean, I've heard about it before and everybody said it's a great time. You know, not not as stuffy as a regular dressage show. They mix it up, I guess, with uh, different riders and the quadrille. I think that's, you know, I'd like to see more quadrilles. You know, I think maybe it could could be in the Olympic format. You know, what would you think about you know, America versus, um, you know, England, and, but in a quadrille format. I think that would be really better. <laughs> I then the, think then you're on you award, something. You award the gold medal to the best overall team, right? Or the best overall. I think it's, you know, all kind of freestyle. I mean, that's that's where our sport is going, right? Towards the freestyle and the entertainment part. Not the stuffy technical tests, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. I like it, Philip. I think we need to get you in touch with the FBI because I think right. that's a great. No, I'll it's fun up. to watch. And yeah, call, just call up the FBI and let them know your your uh, my your ideas. Thing. <laughs> yeah. I like it. I like it. No, I think it's a great idea, and, and it's a lot of fun. And I think actually we were teasing today um, to my students that were riding similar colored horses. They said we should do, you know, um, a pas de deux. And I said, yeah, let's do it. So, well, I said you guys, t- you guys do it, and I will, I will. Yeah, you help. guys do it. You guys you do, do it. it. Because they take it, a right? lot of time. I you know, know we've talked a, about freestyles. Really thing, yeah. They're, they take yeah. a lot of time, but great fun and actually something fun to do at your barn or or in the winter, um, you know, or even in an evening to to do a practice and, and get it together. I I think you're onto something. I like it, Philip. Very I mean, good. And, and a great charity event, you know, to get people out and uh, and supporting the breast cancer um, foundations and and all of that, like Devin said. So, yeah, fun fun ideas about dressage, right? Love it, love it, love it. Well, Philip, I hope you had a great day and I enjoyed the show, but you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website at dressageradio.com. 
You can like us on Facebook. Just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com, and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. You can find me at philipparksequestrian.com, and my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for making this show possible, uh, Thinline Products and Audible.com. And don't forget to check out all the other great shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>